Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hey there, Java Junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or ten minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini-episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple-shot K-Cup with my guest, Edwin Dorsey. This might be a good moment, Edwin, to quickly flash back to when you were an undergrad at Stanford, which wasn't that long ago. You majored in economics, as I've already mentioned. Now, before the spring of 2020, when you started Bear Cave, did you know what you were going to do with your economics degree when you graduated? No, in fact, I was in a little bit of a bind because we mentioned how I was working at this hedge fund, Sophos, on and off for like all four years of college. Naturally, I probably would have ended up working there, but my boss was planning on retiring and the fund was kind of planning to shut down. So I was kind of in a pickle. This place where I had all my internships, I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go work for them. And, you know, so now I'm like, shoot, like, where am I going to go work? But, um, this is my senior year. And I'm, I'm having a lot of fights with the administration per usual. And I and it was I the start, coronavirus pandemic. It, this is before the coronavirus pandemic. So this is this is maybe September 2019, November 2019, senior year. And I'm like trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I'm talking to a lot of hedge funds, cold emailing them, trying to like make something happen. And I just I just know it's not going to be a good fit because everybody seems so miserable and sad and focused on being on like making models all day. And I just really I knew I could get that if I wanted but I knew I really didn't want to. So I'm like, still just trying to find the perfect fit. And I couldn't. And just kind of going back to like what I learned with the care.com stuff is just start writing online and people will come to you. So my original plan with the newsletter when I started it in February 2020 was I'm going to write online. I'm going to show people I'm like good at this digging, maybe a little smart, and they're going to come and want to hire me. And so that was like kind of my game plan. And then the pandemic hit one month in. So I got sent, all the students went home and I just decided to graduate early. So I had like an extra three months to do stuff. And I'm living at home and I'm like, might as well try to make this newsletter successful. So I like cold email every college investment club to tell them to sign up. I literally like DM like, 
out every every single Twitter follower I had. I like spent three days, my eyes started to hurt, just DMing every Twitter follower, being like, sign up for this newsletter, please. And that's kind of what built the early momentum. And then, you know, I clawed my way to like 3,000 free subscribers by October. And people were starting to get interested in hiring me. To 3,000? Free, yeah. Oh, 3, free. Yes, 3,000 free. free. No one's paying. People are starting to get interested in hiring me. And I decide to turn on this paywall. And I have no idea how it's going to go. And it was, I think the first day it was like, like 10 people signed up. So we're looking at like $5,000 in annual revenue. And I'm like, I was, I was not crying, but I like call my parents. I'm like, I screwed up so big. I am like going to be earning nothing unemployed. I have got nothing. And then luckily within like two months, it had taken off and tons of people were paying for it. And I'm like, okay, it works. But yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what happened. So it's extremely roundabout where I just keep kind of keep taking these big risks and they kind of work. But the big thing that I, the term I kind of want to use on this podcast that's relevant for college students is like, luck surface area and try to find ways to increase your luck surface area. And that's something that I don't know why I just excel at doing. And you can do the the way you, the way you don't increase your luck surface area is sitting in your room doing nothing. The way to increase your luck surface area is be the best version of yourself, be out in the world, try to meet people, introduce yourself, cold email, cold call, you know, just do interesting stuff, start a podcast, start writing online, literally anything. And that's all stuff to increase your luck surface area. Ask like professors at the grad. What, one thing I did is I asked, I was bored with the undergrad classes and just not interested in, you know, no homework even. So I just started asking the graduate school teachers, can I sit in on your class? And a lot never responded. And I just show up to their door being like, can we sit in your class? And I think I was just annoying them. So they'd say yes. And then what I noticed is graduate schools have a lot cooler speakers than the undergrad. So I didn't do any homework. I didn't get any credit. I just sat in the classes and introduced myself to the speakers. And like, you know, it just worked. So and what did you get out of the introduction about meeting these rock stars in the financial world? You learn a lot. And I always like, I I don't like approaching somebody wanting something direct from them. So like, if you are trying to get a job or internship, that's okay. That's how most people do it. But it's to me, it's more wholesome if it's just, hey, I genuinely admire you. And I just want to ask you questions. And then from there, you know, magic can start to happen. We're like one guy I met was Jim Chanos, who ran a big fund. And I just started asking him questions. And it was clear I'd done my homework. And you know, he offered me an internship. I didn't end up doing it, but it's like, that's kind of how I prefer. It's like a little like ask for money, get advice, ask for advice, give money twice. Is that the pitfall line? It's like, ask for internships, get advice, ask for advice, get internships. If that makes sense. That's my motto. I'm a rapper now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what have you learned? Edwin, about the most important ingredients and structure, or maybe even the format to building a successful newsletter? Uh, The key is, two keys are distribution and good content. Nothing's going to replace good content. If you have bad content, it's like, even if you get someone to become a paid subscriber, you're not going to retain them and they're going to leave after two months. No one's going to forward bad content. It doesn't matter like how you word it, sell it, how you like build hype. If it's bad content's bad, no one's going to read it. So you need to have good content. People want to read and pay for that adds value to them and ideally helps them do their job better. So that's key number one. But just doing that in a void 
how are people going to hear about you? How is it going to sign up? Especially when you're small newsletters growing through word of mouth. I think that's a tough game. You know, maybe it works over the period of years and years and years, but with newsletters, you, you want to get traction right away. So the other thing you need to do is distribution. And the great ways to build distribution for newsletters, the three great ways are Twitter, get people on Twitter, get Twitter followers, and then convert those to free newsletter subs, convert those to paid newsletter subs, go on a lot of podcasts. I think podcasts are a great way to build a little bit of trust and energy and likeness. And so that that's a great way to get subscribers. You can also befriend other newsletter authors, and then you recommend your publications to each other. So that, that's kind of like the common ways to do it. Doomberg is an example of one guy who just came onto the scene a year ago and already has like 200,000 Twitter followers. And, you know, it's just killing it much bigger than I am and much faster. And the thing, the thing that I think people should realize is it helps to give. So if you just, if, if you just are trying to angle for yourself, it kind of doesn't work. But if you just like I, every year I make a list of all the best other newsletter authors and Twitter accounts and everything else, not expecting anything. Just like, let me make this list of everybody else I love to give them a shout out. And then that goes viral. And then everybody, then people naturally want to reciprocate and be like, Hey, you generated a ton of hype for me. Let me give a little back. So that's kind of how it works. Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.